Precious Father, we are so thankful for this day. We're thankful for the fact that we're able to join together. We know that we do it not just out of a religious activity, but we do it because we desire to do so. We do it because we want to be obedient to your word. But Father, we come together today and as we always want to give you the praise, glory, and worship, and honor that you're so deserving of. This is a day that nationally our country recognizes as Father's Day. So Father, we pray that today that you'd bless these men that are here. We thank you for them. Thank you for their willingness to stand strong and true in your word and, and God just be the witness and testimony that they are. I pray God that as they go through this day, this week, this month, this year, and through the end of their life, that they would maintain that desire to walk with you in your path. Keep them safe and strong. Hedge about them. Keep Satan's fiery darts from them. We pray and ask these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you, man. I'm going to try to stay to the notes as much as I can. I, I said, you, you probably are saying, well, you always stay to your notes. Yeah, but really stay to the notes. Uh, so we're going to be in the book of Luke. If you'll turn there, book of Luke. Book of Luke, chapter 15. Go to Luke chapter 15. Okay. All right. Not too bad. It's only 93 right now. That's outside, so. But 93. Folks, it's warm. It's summer. Summer is actually, what, what day is actually summer? Is it today or tomorrow? Where it starts? Tomorrow, the 21st, okay, the 21st. And that would also be the longest day of the year, I think. Daytime, daytime. All the other days are same length. Anyway, book of Luke, chapter 15. We'll begin in verse 11. It's a familiar passage, a familiar passage. And I've entitled this message, Father of the Prodigal Son. Father of the Prodigal Son. So, in Luke chapter 15 and verse 11 and following it says, and he had a certain man, and he, and he said a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country and there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in the land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country and sent him to, into his fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's? have bread enough to spare, and I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet 
A great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him and put on ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. Now his elder son was in the field and as he came and drew nigh to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said unto him, Thy brother is come, and the fa thy father hath killed the fatted calf, because he hath received him safe and sound. And he was angry, and would not go in. Therefore came his father out and entreated him. And he answered, said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee, neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment, and yet thou never gavest me a kid that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this thy son was come, which hath devoured thy living with harlots, thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. And he said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. It was meet that we should make merry and be glad, for this thy brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found, and is found. The parable of the prodigal son is a story about God's redemption, his grace and his mercy. It's a story of his unconditional love and forgiveness. It's a story about God seeking sinners, God seeking sinners. Today I want to try to tell this like a story and then interject with some commentary as we go through it. Before we do that, let's have a word of prayer and ask God to bless the teaching of his word. Father, today we come and we've surrounded your word. Father, as we come here, our hearts are open. We want to hear from you. I need to hear from you. God, teach us what we need to know today. Father, if we're here and we're out of step with you, there's sin in our life, God, may we make it right with you today. Father, if there's someone here today that has no you as Savior, we pray that today would be the day of their salvation. Whatever the need, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you go to a thesaurus and you look up prodigal, you'll, you'll see words like this. Excessive, extravagant, immoderate, wasteful, spendthrift, squanderer, or wastrel. Now, wastrel I had to look up. Wastrel means wasteful or good for nothing. You ever been called good for nothing? Am I the only one? Okay. Uh, it's interesting here when you go through this, the word then prodigal could be used to describe the son as he spent all the money on righteous living and how he lived his life. But it could also be able to describe the father when the son came back and how that he spared no expense and he went, he went all out. So ask yourself as we go through this story this morning, who's the more prodigal, the son or the father? The son of the father. Tradition is assigned the term to the prodigal son. And I think that's because we are so uh, 
it's all about me oriented. It's very easy for us to relate to the son and how he lived. But the story also tells us something else. You know, one of the words was a squanderer. This story tells us something else. It tells us that the squanderer here is God because God squanders all he has on us. Think of that this morning. He squandered all he had on us. Well, back to the story, the son comes to his father and he asks for the inheritance. He said, uh, give me that inheritance that's due me. Well, that's not necessarily such a bad thing. I'm not sure how old this young man was here, but in this day and time, what he was saying in essence, I wish you were dead so I could have my money. I wish you were dead so I could have my money. I can't wait for you to die so I can have my money. You know families like that? Sad. You know, greed makes you cruel, makes you say cruel things. By the way, do you know that sin is more than breaking rules and laws? It's a breaking of a relationship. What this son did went far beyond the break, breaking the rules. He broke his father's heart. To have raised your children to adult age and then have them respond to you like this, it would break your heart. It would break your heart. He's saying, give me my inheritance. I wish you were dead so I can live my life my way. Live my life my way. Hmm. We want to be the lords of our lives. The son wanted to live his life on his own terms. He had these thoughts of what would be self-gratifying, what would make him happy. Boy, if I had money, if I just had money, I could do this or I could do that. And I could just live however I want. I think a lot of times we think of that. I was driving down here with my father-in-law and I dropped him off at his church. He said, well, they just found the third largest diamond they've ever found. Did you guys see that on the news? I didn't. Third largest diamond, I guess it's worth $100 million or something. I don't know, something outrageous. And sometimes we think that if we just had a lot of money, there goes all of our problems. Not so. Not so. You know, he thought that would make him happy. And so his father says, well, go on. Go on. Go on. Try to put yourself as a parent in this position of this father as he says to his child, go on, knowing that he's making a mistake. But he can't change his mind. His mind is made up. But he says, go on. Go on. It's a gut-wrenching pain. Every parent can relate to that. It's hard to watch your children struggle. Hard to watch your children struggle, but sometimes after you go through and you give the advice and they reject the advice, you go, well, go on. Thinking, I'll be here to help pick up the pieces. I'll be here when you fall. I can remember one time, it was not a bad thing, but I was talking to my father and, and uh, I asked him a question and uh, he said, well, that, that I knew that was going to be a mistake when you did that. And that was something, a decision I'd made months before. And he said, I said, well, why didn't you tell me? <laughs> why didn't you tell me? Sometimes our children, because of the hardness of their own heart, have to go through things that we would hope that they would not go through. 
Sadly, many children of God have packed up their share of our inheritance, what God has given us. Perhaps God has given us some particular gift, something that we're good at. Maybe it's singing, and maybe you take, instead of using that singing for God, you use that singing for, to benefit yourself through the world. It's nothing wrong to earn a living by singing, but if God's given you a gift, you need to use it for God. But we picked up our inheritance as children of God, gifts he intended for us to use for him. And we left the Father. And we left the Father as if we're never going to come back. There's a word, anthropomorphism. Anthropomorphism. He's one of these tongue twisters for me. It's where we are giving God uh, qualities and uh, uh, human form. Uh, so I'm going to say some things here today uh, that refer back to that. Well, the sun goes off to a far country. It's an ultimate rebellion. Ultimate rebellion. Why? You know, it was a, it was a deliberate act of defiance. A deliberate act of defiance. A far country. In my mind, his father had told him, that's not a good place to ever be. And yet, that's where he went. That's where he went. The son knew his father did not approve. But the son says, I'm not dependent upon you anymore. I've got my inheritance. I'll make my own decisions. I'll make my own choices. You know, we do similar choices, child of God. First, it starts with little things, our plans, or monies, relationships. You know all these decisions where they start? Right in our heart. Working around in our heart. Before you know it, child of God, prayer becomes difficult. If even existent at all. We never go to God and consider him to give us guidance. Aren't you going to pray about this? Ah, no, that's an easy decision. I got that. I, I don't need to consult anybody. In fact, things are going so well that somehow God seems to be irrelevant to us. Not necessary. Not necessary. Now, we'd never say that out loud and never think that we would think that even. But that's what we're doing. We're thinking, well, I'm not a squanderer. I'm not out here living in riotous living. I'm not out here living in sin. I'm not a squanderer. But you know what you are? You're a wanderer. You've wandered away from the paths of God. What's happened? We quit measuring ourselves against God's word. And now we're using mankind as our barometer. Well, I'm not as bad as old Joe over there. Look what he's doing. I'm not that bad. I'm not that bad. But we're out here. We're wandering around. And what we're going to try to do is uh, we're just going to live selfishly. We're going to try to squeeze into life, inquire, and get as much as we can before the undertaker comes for us. Well, back to the story. Son runs out of, map, out of money. It happened. Ran out of money. You know, the best laid plans of mice and men often go astray, they say. Here he ran out of money, but not only had he run out of money, there was a famine in the land. And so everybody was in want. Everybody was in want. Folks, just kind of drifting off of this for a second and talking about our national economy. Inflation's coming. Lay up in store. Be ready for the time when it comes. 
He ran out of money. There was a famine. And his hunger drove him to work to live. You know? Drove him to work to live. Here, he was a, a young man that his father had servants. He didn't have to do all this hard work that everybody else was having to do. But he was hungry now. He wanted to eat. So what happened? This guy that wanted to sit out on his own and live his own life and do whatever he wants to do essentially became a slave without rights. Without rights. He wanted to be the master of himself. But now he had a new master. And that's the way it happens so often. So often. As young people, we'll set out, even as middle-aged, even as older people, or as my father-in-law says, senior people, we make decisions that are not good decisions, thinking that we want to be the master of this, and yet we find ourselves in a situation where we are now slave to a new master. But things were so bad, he was starving. He was willing to eat what the pigs, the Bible tells us. Eat what the pigs were eating, the husk. Oh boy, we've seen this story before. We've seen this story before with our children, with our grandchildren, with our friends, their children, even our friends. Might be a story of a girl that wants to escape what she thinks to be a bad situation in her home. So she steals away at a young age to get married, thinking that that'll solve all of her problems, only to wind up in a controlling relationship. That's not a good place to be. What's happened? What's happened? She's traded one form of mastery for another. She's still under the control. Too often we see this in the life of a child. They leave a legitimate authority, God, only become enslaved by an illegitimate authority, men. Finally, the son had an epiphany. An epiphany is, is when you read it, he goes, uh, was it verse 17, I think it was, where he said, uh, and when he came to himself, it's like, wait a minute, what's going on? What am I doing? He came to himself. He saw himself as he truly was, sadly, we don't usually do that, not normally. We look at ourselves in a bit better light than we actually are, you know? I talk about being, playing baseball, and I, but I think that I was looking at myself just a little bit better than I really was. But it's not easy to take an honest look at yourself. You know, that's why we have God to do it for us. We ask God in Psalm chapter 139, verses 23 and 24, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. That should be our prayer. That should be constantly on our mind. Anytime we're about to make a decision. Anytime we've got something going on that's bothering us. Search me, O God. Search me, O God. You know, once we see ourselves through the eyes of God, we begin to recognize the destructiveness of our behavior and the selfishness of our actions. We begin to see the independence of our ways and we begin to identify the problem as sin, sin. That's when his son said he came to himself and he confessed in verse 17, how many hired servants of my father's hand have bread enough to spare and I perish with hunger. 
He said they got more to eat than they need, more than they can fill their stomachs with. And he said, here I am, and I'm perishing with hunger. And then he realized, he said, I will arise and go to my father and say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, verse 18, was confession. He realized the fault was his. He had wandered this prodigal son. You need to make note here that the father did not step in to save his son from reality in that far country. Sometimes we want to rescue someone so badly, so badly, but we cannot. You watch these shows and they'll have these interventions. And I think people are in a, with a good heart are trying to bring people to a point of recognition of their problem. Folks, if it doesn't happen here, it's not going to happen. A person's got to want to come out of it. I can't make Danny do what I say to do. Danny can't make me do what he wants me to do. But I can pray for him as he can pray for me. God has to get a hold of the heart. Sometimes, some people might call this tough love. Tough love. But sometimes you have to let the actions take place so the person comes to themselves. And that's what happened here. He came to himself. Father loved him so much. I can only imagine keeping my hands off. I'm not going to. You know what? Sometimes we get right in the middle and in the way of what God's trying to do in someone's life. Sometimes people ask, why is God sending these trials and difficulties? <laughs> Not admitting that a lot of the times we bring them on ourselves. You know, life is full with trials and difficulties. That's James chapter 1, verse 2. But God waits until we ask, what is the meaning in this? What am I to learn? And that's where he came to. Wait a minute. I woke up. There's nothing like uh, waking up hungry. Oh, have you... Remember a time when you woke up hungry and you just cannot get to the refrigerator fast enough? I'm hungry. I'm really hungry. He was very hungry. And so the son begins his long journey home. You know, as he's walking home, I, I can only imagine he must have been reciting over and over in his head what I'm going to say, rehearsing, how I'm going to say this to my father. I'm going to ask his forgiveness. I'm going to tell him I've sinned against him. There's a story about a Scottish preacher named John McNeil. And he told the story about how that in his childhood, every evening he'd have to make a long walk home, which would take him through the woods and by a, a great ravine. And it was said that in this area, there were wild animals and also robbers in that area. And as he'd make that walk home, he said, I was just afraid every night every night if I made that trip. Can you think back to a time when you were very fearful, so afraid you just almost couldn't catch your breath? And so one night as he's walking home, it was very dark, he was saying, and as he walked home, he heard a voice. And he said, I heard someone in the trees as if they're coming to me, and they said something, and he said, it frightened me. And then they spoke again, and they said, John, is that you? He said, then I realized it was my father. It was my father. 
He has known of his fear and he came out to meet him. You see, the son, the prodigal son, his father was waiting and watching. The wisdom of the father. As the son came there and came to him, he didn't say, I told you this would happen. You're such an idiot. When are you going to ever learn? He never said that. What did he do? The father joyfully received his son without ever mentioning his sin. Without ever mentioning his sin. In fact, when the son was a great way off, the father ran to meet him and fell on his neck and kissed him. The father ran to meet him. Wow. You know, it reminds me that when you give God an inch, he'll give you a mile. He'll give you a mile. If you come to him a little way, when you're a great well off, he'll run to you. It reminds me of a, a wonderful song called When God Ran. When God Ran. I don't know if you've ever heard it. But it's a great song. I don't know when the son saw his father, but make note that his father was waiting and watching. I can only imagine. Father heard the news. There's a famine in that land. He's thinking, it's going to be soon. I might see my son. Perhaps he walked to the edge of his property. Perhaps he walked through town to the other side of town and would wait and watch every day. I don't know. But he was waiting and watching, waiting and watching. Someone said the eyes of mercy are quicker than the eyes of repentance. The eyes of our faith are dim compared with the eyes of God's love. God sees the sinner long before the sinner sees him. And while the steps of repentance are slow, swift are the feet of forgiveness. And this father ran, ran to meet him. The father who saw it, he saw where he came from. He saw the filth on his hands. He saw his feet. He saw the rags that he was wearing. He saw the penitent look on his face. He saw where he had been, saw what he was, and saw what he would be soon. His father saw him. His father saw him. You know, God has a way of seeing men and women, boys and girls, in a way that you and I cannot understand. He sees right through us at a, at a glance, as if he's looking through glass. He sees us. He knows us. He sees our past. He sees our presence. And he knows our future. You know, in some other book, if we had read about this story, and if we'd read where uh, the father had rejected his son, it wouldn't have surprised us. Why? That's the way men are. That's the way men are. There are fathers like that in this world. There are fathers that seem to not have the ability to forgive. Don't be like that father. Don't be like that father. But this is not some other book. And the Bible says he ran, fell on his neck, and kissed him. It's been said that in Eastern culture, it was beneath the dignity of a father to run. His father loved his son. He didn't care about his dignity. He ran to him. You know, we've all left home in some ways, haven't we? 
We've left home in some ways. Whenever we've looked away from God to get our deepest needs met, we've strayed from home. If you're not looking to God to meet that need, you've strayed from home. We leave home when materialism, uh, wanting things, I've got to have more, becomes our God. In this parable, parable, it seems that once the son left home and went to the distant land, his father was out of the picture. It seems. It seems that his father just stayed home and worried. It's important for us to realize that this story is written from the viewpoint of the prodigal son. The prodigal son. Sometimes we don't have the whole picture. We don't have the perspective of the father as he was going through what he was going through. When we, children of God, turn from him, our God, it seems as if he's distanced from us. It seems. And that's how it feels to us. But from the Lord's perspective, he never leaves us. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5 says, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. What else can we learn from this parable? Well, there was no restitution. There was no earning back of a father's love. As the son begins to give his speech, the father wouldn't hear it. He said, go get him some shoes, put a robe on him, put a ring on his finger, kill the fatted calf. My son that was dead is alive. Wow. You know, similarly, our Father in Heaven is waiting for us to return home. If you've wandered from God, don't, don't be guilty of just coming to church and just sitting and, and going home and not drinking in the message of God, what He might have for you. Allow Him to be the Lord of your life. That ring is a way of telling His Son that you have been and always will be my son and the recipient of my love. And then there's a celebration. God saved us. If you know Lord Jesus Christ, your personal savior today, you need to know that he saved you forever. There's nothing you could do to earn your salvation. There's nothing you can do to lose your salvation. God is your savior. And one day there's going to be a celebration in heaven. Amen. Have you ever felt like the prodigal son? You ever felt like you really messed up? Boy, I blew it now. I blew it now. And as you return home, as you're going home, you begin to kind of rehearse in your mind what you're going to say because you messed up. You messed up. And maybe you're starting to make your own excuse. Well, I need to make note in this story, the prodigal son made no excuses for himself. I did it. I did it. And he confessed his sin back in 17 and 18. The consequences of his actions, this prodigal son brought him to his knees, ready to repent. We, what do we do? We tend to minimize what we've done. We tend to make excuse for what we've done. We try to explain it away. Yes, but, yes, but. When you repent, here it is. I did it, I'm guilty, I'm guilty. Do with me what you will. Now it's interesting as we come down to the end of this chapter. 
you've got an older son. This older son never wandered away from home. He always stayed there with his father, trying to do what was right. And basically what he says to the father is, hey, this is not fair. This is not fair. I didn't run off with all the money. I didn't live like I wanted to live. And now I've squandered it all. And now he comes back. You never killed a fatted calf for me. Huh. Unfair. It's not fair. You know what? When will we realize that no one, ourselves included, deserves God's grace? This older brother hadn't lived sinfully in his actions, but what he says is apparent through the resentment that he had in his heart. He had, he had issues as well. He had issues as well. You know, people can get very self-righteous and get self-important. And rather than rejoicing when someone that has been saved or perhaps a child of God that got their heart right, we continue to grumble and complain and talk down on them. Why? That's human nature. That's the old sin man. Child of God shouldn't be that way. By the way, the older son represents a lot of our churches today. Grumbling, complaining. Well, point of conclusion here. We're at the conclusion. Question is, this morning, which brother are you? You know, it's Father's Day, and so I am speaking to fathers particularly, but everyone in particular. Have you wandered away from the giving Father who has given you his all, or Heavenly Father? Have you moved slowly away from God and just kind of feel numb? Boy, I just don't seem to have any kind of relationship at all with God here. It's, my prayers seem to hit the ceiling. The things of Christ don't excite you anymore? Would it excite you if someone were to walk this aisle and get saved? Would it excite you if someone were to get baptized? It should. It should. What's happened? You've not squandered, but you've wandered. You've wandered. You're a waster of God's great gift. Turn back to him today. Perhaps you've never received the Father's love and do not know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Today can be the day of your salvation. Every head bowed and every eye closed. You know, fathers, today we celebrate your day. Today. I've got a question. What kind of father are you? You need to realize that God has given you some children and he expects you to do right by them. Not to take them to a place or fashion them into something that you want them to be, but to teach them of God. Raise them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord so that one day when they set out on their own, they will follow the paths of God, the path that he has for them. Are you there for your children or your grandchildren? Can your children count on you?
I mentioned a song earlier, When God Ran. Part of it goes like this. Almighty God, the great I am, immovable rock, omnipotent, powerful, awesome Lord, victorious warrior, commanding king of kings, mighty conqueror, and the only time, the only time I ever saw him run was when he ran to me. He took me in his arms, held my head to his chest, said, my sons come home again, lifted my face, wiped the tears from my eyes. With forgiveness in his voice, he said, son, do you know I still love you? Child of God, if you've wandered from God, the Father still loves you. He's right there waiting for you, looking for you, ready to run from you. Whether you're a child of God that has lost his way or someone that is simply lost, God is running to you this morning. Why not meet him here at the altar today? Jesus, we pray you'd have your will and way in hearts and lives. In Jesus' name I ask. Amen. Please stand together with me with heads bowed and eyes closed. There will not 